Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And today, Ellen Southern and Tom Bush of Dead Space Chamber Music join me to discuss the new album. But it's not just another rock album. Through our discussion, we all decided that the band is the only band in the dark neoclassical ambient jam band genre. But how did they get to that point? Was it Ellen getting thrown out of orchestra at school? Or was it Tom's decision to study guitar at night? Regardless of what it was, Ellen and Tom give me a definition of what chamber music actually is and who the Led Zeppelin of medieval music was. They also reveal some of the strange items that they use as instruments to create the right atmosphere within the music. You can really hear all of that in their new album, The Black Hours. Pick it up on Bandcamp as a digital download, CD, or vinyl, which will be available this spring. Follow them on Instagram at Dead Space Chamber Music. Follow us at Performance ANX. And you can support us through ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or with merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now pour a mead, summon ye old podcast player, and enjoy my discourse with Ellen and Tom of Dead Space Chamber Music on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Forthwith. <laughs> of course. How do you want to do it? You want to say? I'm Tom from Dead Space Chamber Music on the Performance Anxiety Podcast. And this is... And I'm Ellen from Dead Space Chamber Music. Oh my God. You've got to take that one. You nailed it. <laughs> That's reassuring. I'm Tom. And I'm Ellen, and we're from Dead Space Chamber Music. And we've got our new album, The Black Hour, is coming out. And you are listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. <laughs> there we go. Hey. Now you can see exactly what I look like first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, because it's 7 a.m., right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I actually kind of like doing these in the morning. So it's uh, it's a, actually quite a real fun way to start the day. I love talking <laughs> music. So it's, it, I, I love this. Now, I will be dipping on my coffee, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. yeah or possi- well. yeah. possibly it's my new sponsor, Tiesta Tea. So who knows? <laughs> I'm not going to tell them which one it is. <laughs> So, uh, thank you guys for doing this. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, I'm starting to hear uh, Katie's not feeling so good. So, you know, we'll we won't talk about her too much. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. Uh, what I like to find out is how you guys. I mean, first of all, your music is so unique. It's so wild. Oh. <laughs> I'm, oh, thanks. Thanks. And I was almost late to the Zoom because I was listening to it again and I kind of lost track of time. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's good. So all of a sudden I see, uh, you know, the, you guys have entered the the, uh, the Zoom chat. I'm like, oh, crap, I got to get my mixer on. I got to get everything. I got to get the program up. So. <laughs> uh, we were early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but only by two minutes. So I, I'm, I'm like, holy crap. All right. So <laughs> what I like to find out is how you guys got to the point you're at. I mean, music is something that you guys are obviously very passionate about. Ellen, let's start. We can start with you. How did how did you get into music in the first place? Was that something you were you've been doing your whole life, or did your parents get you into it through lessons that you didn't really want in the first place? Or <laughs> uh, so uh, me personally, um, yeah. uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I basically, um, I, I did actually play cello when I was a kid, um, 
and that was why uh, when we started with Dead Space, there was just us to start off with, and our priority was to get a cellist. Oh yeah, <laughs> so I love the. Cellist. Uh, it's, it's just so expressive and mournful. Yeah. Um, but I got thrown out of the orchestra at school because <laughs> I couldn't, yeah, because um, basically I, I learned years later that I have dyspraxia because the notes were jumping around a lot on the music. Wow. Okay. So I got through all the exams because um, I learned it by ear and just pretend I used to move my eyes along, pretend I'm reading the music. Wow. Um, yeah. I got through a couple of exams like that, but that is super- impressive, though. <laughs> yeah, and as soon as they put me in the orchestra, that was it because you can't hear the stuff before, you know. Um. So it's just jump. So I got chucked out then. I got busted. <laughs> anyway, so and because <laughs> I grew up in Wales, where singing is 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 a competitive sport. It's hardcore. Really. <laughs> it's- yeah, it, um, certainly at school level, you literally compete and stuff like that. Wow. So, um, yeah, so it was really good because I loved it. But also, if you're seen as good, you kind of don't want to be because then they put you. So basically, uh, I went towards visual arts and I spent most of uh, my time until I was 30 doing visual art. But always at the back of my mind, I wanted to pursue music and those experiences when I was young sort of delayed it I guess and then I got to put where yeah you turn like 30 and you're just like right I'm doing it (laughs) yeah so uh uh, I went on a couple of like uh night classes night courses joined some choirs learned to read music which was big achievement um learned to and stuff like that so that's how I got into it and it's mainly through choirs because I was so nervous uh I was in a Welsh language choir a folk choir classical choir, gospel choir. Uh, I, I just tried everything basically because what I wanted to do was develop my voice, but not in any particular style. Okay. So I'd be free to, to use it properly like an instrument, like to, to just know, wow. uh, you know, like explore it, exploring it. So I, what I wanted was the basic technique, but then to be left alone to develop my own. And I think that coming from the choir background in that way, I like it because I think, when we're playing live and when we're recording and stuff, I always say, don't put the voice too high in the mix. Because, you know, like the default, a lot of sound guys or girls, they'll yeah. they'll just put the voice up like that. Right. I, I want us to all be equal, like um, like I'm in the music with everybody else. Like and your I voice is an instrument. From, yeah, yeah. And I think that comes from the choir thing and that, you know, because you're singing as part of something else, you're right. not... A, soloist in a way okay so i i think that's sort of that's one of the aesthetics that i think has resulted from us that way and oh, just this sense wild. that we're that we're like a again like yeah chamber music this idea of a quite intimate quite close inward facing group of people who are creating something together you oh. know with everybody equal part so yeah. Okay, so I, I'm definitely going to have some questions about chamber music, and I'm definitely not going to try to pronounce these songs in Welsh because <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody or make a fool of myself at this. You know, so I will, I may be referring to a hey, track two, the one that starts with two L's. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how they go. I I, I, I will apologize if I. Uh, mispronounce things i'm not i'm gonna try not to even attempt it so i'll let i'll let that up to you but i do love the welsh language i mean it's just it's so unique and i love hearing it sung 
it's really it's a very it's a language because like italian or something like that is very um vowel-y. yeah and yet there seems uh, to be no vowels in it <laughs> which is very yeah, strange a lot of consonants. that's true <laughs> but then they pronounce get pronounced like vowels yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah which is confusing yeah, yeah very... but it's a yeah, but it's a fascinating uh, language. It was nice. I feel quite, I used to feel a bit like, oh, I grew up with that language and English both. And I thought, oh, I wish it could have been a more useful language. It's, but is that common now, though? Is it, is it common in Wales to grow up learning both? Yeah, there's oh. a lot of effort to bring it back from like the 70s on. So okay. it was a very conscious thing. And um, now I'm really uh, pleased about it. It wasn't so useful when I first started traveling in Europe. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but I'm really pleased about it. It's a, it's a fascinating language because, as I understand it, it's it's basically the remnants of um, a language that goes back, to, um, well, very, very far, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. But you, it's the remnants of a language that used to be sort of pan-European. Oh, wow. And, and it's just, so it, it exists in Wales because that was like a pocket where it, retained yes. so it's it's for me it's it, it's obviously connected to the, the it's connected to wells obviously but and for, what i like about it is that it's the remnant of something that would have been spoken across the whole of europe so it's it's not a, a cut off thing it's it's like that and from what i understand welsh scottish irish a little stubborn mm. don't like to give things up <laughs> i'm i'm mostly uh, yeah. irish so i i can understand that oh, yeah. So chamber music, I'm familiar with the term. I know a lot of people are familiar with the term chamber music, but what exactly is it? How is it defined in a, in a band setting? I'm not really sure how, because uh, the yeah. band's name is Dead Space Chamber Music. <laughs> I'm not even sure how to phrase um, that question, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah chain, chamber music. Uh, that's it, it's a bit of a tricky tricky question to to answer I, I suppose it was more just about the the general concept of of chamber music in, in that it's quite uh, maybe it's a bit it's a bit more introverted in, okay. in some way than, than than other other musical styles so uh, this is where it, it kind of starts to sound a bit maybe a bit pretentious <laughs> perhaps but uh yeah there's there's something more about uh, a kind of a an inward focus maybe with with chamber music it tends to be maybe a bit a, a bit less uh, a, a bit less dramatic a bit less um uh... is it is, is it have to do with the uh musicians facing each other while you're playing and uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. More, and, and... more of a focus on purely on on the music i guess mm. okay. so not an audience facing thing right and I suppose as well, because it developed in chambers, in rooms, in private houses, that sort of vibe where you're looking at each other and you're sort of, it's almost like, um, you know, it's musician's music, isn't it? It's like, and, and you're, you're challenging each other to do the best you can and, and bringing out the best in yourself by the challenge of, uh, oh, hang on. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and also that's like not the if you have tone I was expecting from you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's not one of ours. We haven't branched out into producing uh, ringtones yet. Sorry about that. It's in the pipeline. So, um, 
Yeah. So yeah, it's it's that it evolved in that quite quite serious way. Okay. About yeah, um, and developing yourself as a musician in relation to your peers and that sort of in its sort of intimate setting, which of course we were all thrown in, back into in the pandemic. We we're all thrown into this. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was funny with our because we did a couple of live streams from here and we had to get like recordings of the other two and and stuff and and still find a way to work together in and and it sort of brought it back to that sort of idea of those roots that had to be very um, difficult i've seen some other bands do things like that and that had to be really hard to think i know with lag times and buffering and is that something that you guys were able to do successfully live when we were streaming, that was already complicated enough yeah. without <laughs> having Katie and another and Liz and another. So yeah. what we did, we um, they sent us recordings and then we played them and then we played live. Oh, so, cool. so, so it kind of emphasized the absentia vibe because we could hear them playing and we could play with them, but they weren't there. And right. uh, it's made it even more poignant in a way. So the other two um, are, are Liz Paxton on cello and Katie Mert on percussion, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Tom, we haven't gotten into your history yet. <laughs> How did you get into to music? Was guitar the first instrument that you learned or was it more of a classical background? Um, it was, it was the guitar okay. first. Yeah. And it's a fairly, standard story <laughs> there like uh, it was it was rock stuff and okay. it was all all the typical stuff like you know absolutely no surprises like when i was a teenager like when i was about 15 it was basically like black sabbath deep purple led zeppelin okay uh just the kind of stuff that you know you'd, you'd expect like a lot of teenagers when they when they start playing guitar it's 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 that kind of thing right and um you know and even though I've, I've kind of got into different stuff over the years. I've, I've sort of never really lost sight of, of that stuff. It's, it, you know, I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I listened to that kind of thing when I was a kid and now, you know, I'm into, you know, more, more interesting stuff or whatever. Right. I still like that stuff. But then, oh, yeah, good. when I was, when I was about 20, um, I sort of thought, well, I'm, I'm really, music's like, uh, my main passion. So I want to like study it properly. So then, uh, so then I started like learning, uh, I started playing classical guitar probably when I was about 20. Wow. And I know, so what can happen is like, that's sort of, sort of the other way around to how it is with a lot of people. <laughs> like, you know, maybe when they're, when they're a kid, they have to do some stuff on the classical guitar. And then, you know, when they, when they get older, then they, they, they kind of get into like, you know, rock stuff or metal or, or whatever. But, but yeah, I, I was kind of the other way around. It, it wasn't until I was about 20 that, uh, yeah, I started playing the classical guitar and, and did like a, like a college music course where I had to do like a jazz ensemble and I'd never really played jazz before, but then I had to do it there. You didn't get thought, kicked like, out, okay. did you? <laughs> no, I survived. Oh, I good. survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys meet? Well, it was it, it was at this uh, at the college, which was um, it was night school basically. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, like, uh, you know, evening evening classes for for adults. That's awesome. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good place, uh, Morley College, uh, where it's it's kind of uh, it's subsidised, so it means that it's affordable for working people. And I so did the same we, kind of thing. We, oh, okay. really? Yeah. yeah well, to get my it's bachelor's great. degree. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because it was really exciting because, it, you know, people from all walks of life, but what they had in common was often, well, like, definitely like me, you know, it's like something they've wanted to do and, you know, they haven't done it yet and they're still, you know, and they're a grown-up, but it's never too late. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, and, and in between your work, you can go in the evenings and, and just learn. I, I just think it's fantastic. So, and they had um, rehearsal rooms there that you could book. Oh, awesome. So, um yeah so so for example i was learning uh doing singing and i thought i need someone who plays a harmony instrument just to kind of yeah jam with yeah try yeah. out some stuff so yeah found found someone who plays guitar oh that's awesome <laughs> and that's... that was that was years ago that was 2008 oh, yeah, yeah, or something like that's, that that's a while ago now yeah yeah and we quite quickly realized that um you know we we shared a passion for early music um medieval renaissance period music because they were doing classes on that uh, history uh music nice. history classes there as well so we were both learning that as well so it kind of all came together like that way yeah very organically so how did you guys decide that and i was I'm assuming you were playing like tom you maybe uh, were you playing in other more standard rock type of bands at the time or were you just studying this music yeah there were um i'd, I'd done i've been in i've been in a few bands but it was nothing that was like too serious or or really really went anywhere i mean it, it was mainly i suppose i was mainly focusing on uh like the stuff that i was doing doing at the college okay uh, like the kind of ensembles that i was in in there and then i went well after, after that i then went to uh university in london Birkbeck, which is a similar thing they do like evening courses and things and i did composition there which was you know basically it was like uh you know you study certain pieces by classical composers and then you they, they say like okay off you go now you try and write something similar so wow yeah i was, I was kind of focusing on that that sort of stuff that's what mainly okay so sounds like you guys are studying this and so the direction of the band was a natural thing to do yeah yeah i I mean i I can't really think if there was like any you know one one definitive point where we thought like right this is what we're gonna do you (laughs) you know it just it just it just kind of happened i I think like with the 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 kind of being interested in early music there's one uh composer like uh English Renaissance composer John Dowland, who you know in 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 that kind of area of Renaissance music, he's he's one of the most mm. famous. And there was one particular song that that we both liked, so uh, we did an arrangement of it, which was "Flow My Tears," which is on we, we recorded it on on the first album. But yes. but we'd already had a go with that song like years and years yeah, before, years just before. because just because we liked the song. Yeah. <laughs> so sort of all there is that's all awesome. there is to it, really. just studying this stuff i went back and i and i listened to all the stuff that's on Bandcamp and and the stuff that i could find on youtube and all and it's really wild it's kind of like and i've had some ambient people on the show ambient musicians before so what they kind of stress is 
at least the few that I've had is that their music is is to relax and be calming and and joyful. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly get that from you guys. What I get <laughs> is like your music is <laughs> unsettling. Mm. Which yeah. to me I, is uh, amazing. <laughs> it, it's 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 you know very unique approach to the style of music, and I don't even know if you would consider what you guys do ambient, but it's it's got a very different feel to it. And like I said, it's, it's very cinematic, almost something that would be in a in a thriller or a horror movie. Yeah, and I that's yeah. the kind of, I don't I don't watch horror movies. I don't I'm not into them at all. But I like the music, the soundtracks, and all so. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we, we love horror movies, and we definitely we'd love to do film stuff. Um, well, yeah, we did a, done a couple of um, like fairly kind of kind of low key soundtracks where we played along live too. Oh, um, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. The first one we did was uh, well, well, there's the film Black Sabbath where Black Sabbath got got the name from, and it's yeah. it's like a three in one thing. And, and and then the final one, which is probably like the scariest one, that has hard, really hardly any dialogue in it. So we thought, okay, that would be that'd be a fun one. Just you know, we'll we'll kind of fiddle around with a few ideas and come up with our own soundtrack. And Liz, who's the cellist, she, she did um, she studied composition for film. So okay. you know, yeah. uh, well, they had to kind of like uh, improvise along to uh, like short short films and silent films and mm. stuff. So oh she's, wow. Yeah, she's yeah. completely at home doing doing that kind of thing. Yeah, was that something that yeah. you guys did live? You tracked it live yeah. in front of an yeah. audience. Played? Oh wow! There's a, yeah, there's there's like a tiny independent cinema here in Bristol, um, 20th Century Flicks. Hey. It's uh, the oldest video shop in the UK. Wow! <laughs> and longest running since the 80s, and um, they, they've got a little kino, a tiny little cinema. So we were all in there, and um, and we did that, and it's very very tense, very drawn out tense thing with this you know thing at the end where it all goes horrible oh wow. um so we love that tense atmosphere and then also on the new album um the, the piece the pit um that started off as a live soundtrack that we did to a version of the pit and the pendulum so the, oh. the poe po film uh so so yeah like this is actually and something we'd like to explore more and it gets said a lot like to us like oh wow so yeah like should do some more stuff with film and and yeah we definitely would um but what you were saying before about the ambient thing yeah. i know what you mean because you know when you have to think of tags and you have to think of genres and like oh what genre it's like oh god yeah, we yeah. don't know what genre we are but um yeah, yeah. Uh, be tough. yeah ambient a is, a, is a funny there. one because we keep coming and it's like should we put that it's like we never do because i don't i don't think of us like that i right. think there is something settling unnerving and also We've got massive, massive respect for people who who study early music and do, you know, like um, performances that um, that try and make it as accurate to the time as possible, like period stuff. Right. There's there's people all over the world who do that and specialise in that. It's a really, you know, amazing, rich thing. But what we wanted to do was different. It was take you know, music from that time, which when you see it written, it's more like a jazz score than anything else. It's oh. it's supposed that you're going to interpret it. It's not like classical in terms of all the oh. performance directions. So wow. it's quite free in that way. And what we wanted to do with it is 
from my perspective, how I would, is make it visceral. Because when you see this is historically accurate performances and stuff like that, there's, there's certain conventions that have settled, which, as I say, we love. And I, yeah. you know, I love going to see the and all that. But we sort of thought, um, let's, let's try something a bit different where here's the voice of someone or here's a melody that made people dance hundreds of years ago. It's a banger. You know, yeah. and it's a banger now if you present it as a banger, you know, or here's, here's something that made people cry hundreds of years ago and it can make them cry now. Yeah. And so it's that visceral, embodied, it's not historical, even though it is, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. What we want to do is, is live it and breathe it and, and not try and pretend we're in the past, but we are here now. But what, I mean, one thing I personally love uh, about words, I love exploring different languages and words, uh, learning by ear. Um, <laughs> and, and what I love is, um, <laughs> is, um, is the idea that, that you, you're like haunted by someone when you're singing words that someone wrote hundreds of years ago. That's why I don't write my own words because it's that, what is it? Oscar Wilde, give a man a mask and he'll tell you the truth. It's like, if I, if I inhabit a song that someone else has written, I, I feel those words really like strongly channel it and bring yeah, it forward and, 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 and yeah, yeah it's not just so it's not just you it's you and this person hundreds of years ago and wow. everyone else who's ever heard it and been moved by it so it's you're more yeah like channeling something but you're also telling the truth because you're telling it through yourself, through yourself. so yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of bringing it to life, and the way that we we structure our performances as well. What we really like is to to, to move one piece into another, and and sort of go so you can travel through all these different sort of like a like a journey um, okay. of different. And it can be really rhythmic and pounding, but it could be really eerie or it could be really, yeah, something else. But it's sort of one goes into other. So there is a sort of form of, of almost theatre to it in that way. But yeah, like experientially. So, so just to say ambient doesn't really... You know, we, I think we've got a lot of full-blooded stuff as well. Oh, but yeah. even the even the stuff that's um, not necessarily fast or anything. Um, you know, I think what you're saying about the atmosphere of it, I like there to be attention to it. Yes, that's the word. <laughs> and like, like you're saying, changing things around and interpreting, like like the song you did, uh, Lacrime. Tell me if, I, if I'm reading this correctly. That you guys had two songs on the first album, and yeah. you, you ended up taking, kind of combining them and, and taking the words yeah. from one and the music from another, and, and making and, something yeah, new. Yeah, and that's, that's something that gets done in, as I say, these kind of um, early music worlds, and, and that's a that's a thing that people have done for hundreds of years. They've okay. taken yeah the words from one thing and a melody, and then you've got you know, it's, it's say. Uh, oh yeah. Look it's at like, God save the yeah. queen and God bless America. <laughs> Same damn song. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That would yeah. be our anthem yeah. for, for today. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then actually, yeah, yeah, that that same tune, or is it is it that one? No, it might be um, Star Spangled Banner was like an English drinking song. Yeah, I think, with yeah, like it was. Different... Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even realize that. I, I mean, hey, we yeah. still do. So. <laughs> Good. so just go to any sporting event here, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, people are still drinking to hey, it. Yeah, half the time that by the time we're we're saying that before the game, everybody's basically plastered. Good. <laughs> so, fact, why not? Funny you mentioned because I was thinking the other day actually well, that's one area we haven't gone into is drinking songs, uh, and there's a whole history of it. So yeah, oh, yeah. no, next album might have a drinking song. On. That would be amazing. <laughs> that wow, you guys interpreting a drinking song would. Yeah. That's. That would be why that might freak people out, but that might be worth it. That might be, it might be a good thing. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor Tiesta tea. Tiesta is a tea company on a mission to create loose leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients that taste good and do good. Each tea is blended for one of five categories, so you can energize, slenderize, boost antioxidants, boost immunity, and relax. My current favorite is Blueberry Wild Chow. You know, when I was growing up, my dad always told me, once you go loose, you never go bagged. And you know what? He was right. Go to TiestaTea.com and use the promo code ANXIETY15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. Think you know tea? You haven't tried Tiesta tea. How do you guys choose the music that you're going to work on or interpret? Because there's a lot of stuff. I, I see that you are, you know, you, you take you know, music from medieval Renaissance periods and, and interpret that. But like you said, the, a lot of lyrics are either taken from or inspired by books. And it, not all of it's old. I mean, you've done a song based on Lovecraft story. Is it just stuff that whatever strikes you a certain way or are there certain periods that you like to focus on? Yeah, um, I think there is something, I think like follow, following um, following your instincts is sort of generally, it's just good life advice yeah. in general. <laughs> uh, and and it's, it's definitely, I think it's definitely true when it, when it comes to music, like often there'll, there'll just be something, you know, I might, I might hear something and then I'd, I don't know what it is, just something clicks. And I think, ah, that'd be, I think we could do something really good with this. So, so like it might, yeah. So, so like, um, and then it just depends on what we might be uh, listening to a lot, a lot of at the time. Like, so, so, so if it's, it, if it's medieval stuff, if it's a particular kind of collection of um, medieval songs, there might be one that just has a particular melody that, for yeah, whatever just reason, is. just just uh, like, you know, like a, kind of like yeah. a switch, you know, like a light bulb thing, yeah. where it's like, oh yeah, that that'd be really yeah. good. Yeah, you, you start to almost hear what you could do with it while yeah. you're still hearing. You're like, right, right, you know. So we've got a list. 
Um, but, but yeah, with the Lovecraft uh, one, for example, we were uh, pleased to be invited by um, uh, Raphael, who's from Eighth Tower Records in Italy. Mm-hmm. He's, he does a project called Unexplained Sounds, and he does these compilations where he uh, he'll, he'll approach you and say, "I'm doing one on this theme." Uh, and and so it's kind of one we probably wouldn't have thought of, but then he said. Oh, would you make a track for yeah, Love Lovecrafty? And I was like, oh my god, okay, yeah, oh. let's let's have a go. And yeah, so that was sort of how that one particularly came about. But through we've done collaborations with other people, and um, and as I say, he's actually invited us to do to be part of three compilations now. Oh wow! So yeah, so it's kind of nice when people yeah throw us something like that, and it's like oh okay, so how do we do this then? So yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, that's. It's great to do stuff like that. I suppose, yeah, the Lovecraft thing is similar to like the, the film soundtrack stuff where like you've got material to respond to, like, you know, so, so like a film or, or like, I mean, with the Lovecraft one, we took one particular story, which was, um, I can't remember what the name of the story is now, but it's, it's, I think like the music of Eric Zahn. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, so, so we did like Nocturne for Eric Zahn or something where it's this guy in this kind of like attic room and he's like furiously playing the violin and the violin is to ward off this kind of cosmic evil that's like coming in and so we thought well you know that song has it, it you know it's music is an element in in the story oh, okay. um, and so like various bands have done stuff yeah it's like a swiss kind of uh slightly you know strange kind of experimental battle i think like universe zero i, I think I think they're called they, they've done anyway they've done a, a piece based on the same Lovecraft story so oh, cool. I think it's a thing you know fans have done stuff based on that one story so it seemed like okay well we'll, we'll have we'll have a go at this one and see um, mm. see what we can come up with and I did read uh, somewhere that even though he wrote it about a violinist in apparently when he wrote it in his head he heard it more like a cello ah. so that fitted really well we could just say to Liz like go crazy so yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, we yeah. did was we based around her yeah, yeah, so yeah. we based yeah. it around her and she's really strong with improvisation so what we did was we took the story we separated it into four sections we chose three words from each section and then each of us responded to those words in that sequence and we put it all together so wow. that's how we did it yeah so that was just one example of being like thrown like a curveball and and it's like right how does dead space chamber music do this so yeah it was really good i was wondering how you guys came up with the name dead space chamber music <laughs> uh, yeah i mean there there was some some thought behind it i think like um well cuz we were just really into obviously we decided like you know music music and sound that's the thing that's the main thing that we're into mm-hmm. so like a dead space chamber is a place where there's no if, if i mm. remember this right like there's no natural reverb so it's like a research, just, research so you, space you, you hear okay. sound in its purest form you know not affected by reverb in a in a space so yeah you're you're hearing that sound in its purest sense and then um that's a dead space chamber and then you just stick music on the end and then yeah, you get chamber, chamber music, music which is also about yeah <laughs> this real real focus on um on the pieces that are being that are being mm. played so uh, yeah it, it kind of came from from that like trying to be a bit clever with words <laughs> <laughs> but also a dead space chamber apparently what i like about it i'd love to be in one but apparently it can freak people out because they can hear their blood 
in the heartbeat. And, and the heartbeat's and so, really yeah, yeah, like you yeah. feel really like bodily, and I and I thought, yeah, I quite like that as well. That's quite an yeah, un- unsettling space. Unsettling, to be in, yeah. 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 That, so Here in the blood flow. So the name works on so many levels. Yeah. <laughs> that, but that's a great. That that's great because so many times I have people on. I'm like, hey, how did you come up with your name? Because it's interesting. Like. You know, we had two gigs booked, and we needed a name, and it was gonna we were gonna change it later, and it, we couldn't after that. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing that there is thought behind it is actually the more unusual thing. Although we are. So you also did a song based on Dante's Inferno, that and that was part of another. Was that part of one of the other compilations you did for the same? Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. I like that. really good to do so it was like there were nine artists invited and you had to pick a layer of hell okay. <laughs> yeah so so we i think we chose the ninth. we chose the one with satan in and we were reading up on interpretations of of that dimension and realm yeah. through history and like now we think of it as flames but oh, hundreds of yeah. years ago they thought of it as cold as ice wow. so we wanted to involve this kind of really cold sound this cracking sound which was done uh katie uh, with percussion by actually sprinkling um screws and nails onto metal wow. um and it around so it's this kind of ice because i think the idea is that satan's in a block of ice and he's yeah it's, it's, he's it's flapping his wings to escape figure, yeah because yeah, he's like this really mindless yeah he's mindless like a very different to what we would think now yeah it's like, like the, yeah. The, ty- the tyranny that he's embodying is someone who's who's completely vapid is that like like, like, vacant and um, so he's he's trapped in this ice but he doesn't know why he can't conjure his thoughts to to release himself he's he's kind of he's like a prisoner he's not really kind of in in control of anything and he's he's flapping his wings to escape but then that just sets him in deeper so that it's that kind of hell you know and we thought wow that's that's amazing so we so we wanted to make something that had that sort of space that coldness that fear, that fear, and and sort of a sort of slight, a sort of desperation, but but remote, you know. Oh, so yeah, that's how we approach it. And that's one thing that I've noticed on Tom, and particularly on on a lot of your guitar tones, it's not the warm Marshall, or less Paul through a Marshall fuzz that you, it's it's like a it's a harsh, cold, distorted tone. Some a lot of times. Yeah, I think yeah on on that one definitely yeah it was. Um... The thing with that, because it was for the, the figure of Satan, so I think I, yeah. I took like the um, Deus Irae chant and played it backwards, and um, wow. you know, kind of messed, messed around with it a bit, and 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 then a lot of it is is done like in the uh, in in the sequencing program. You can go in and obviously kind of manipulate the sounds and 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 warp, warp stuff and, and that kind of thing. So, so some of it does does come from that. I mean, I, I use I tend to use an orange amp, which you know it's one of those kind of sort of classic rock type things. Um, 
But yeah, I I mean I'm I do use effects, but I'm not I think you can you can go too far with effects. Oh yeah. But yeah, the uh the IC the IC sound, well, I mean it's I I, I use a strat, which tends to be it's got a more piercing yeah. quality. Mm. Yeah, it's not like a big kind of, you know, Gibson through a, through a Marshall. Right, yeah. <laughs> the melody on that one as well, that is the DSE Ray reversed as well. So we're sort of mirroring there. Oh, wow, okay. And in reading some of the descriptions on the songs, the choices are fascinating. The the one that, that's coming to mind is uh, Oh Death, Rock Me Asleep. behind that song and, and and how you guys explained it is just amazing is that are these songs songs that you guys grew up with knowing or are you doing a, a ton of research to find something that's a little unusual out of the ordinary well that one i think it's in as i say in the early music scene uh it's it's quite it's a, a well hit it's one, quite a yeah. well known yeah. um when we were first looking at this sort of thing and I think I bought yeah I bought a really big it's like an anthology of music by women uh classical early pre-classical music by women and interclassical so it, there's scores in there and it was one of the first ones in there and I was like wow oh my god and because a bit of a fan of Anne Boleyn but like <laughs> she's a really interesting character to me and I didn't know that she um well she's very highly cultured and she I didn't know that she she was a really good lute player. She was a poet, wow. you know, she all, um, so basically it's a lute poem supposedly. Wow. And you, you don't know, but supposedly, yeah, it was written when she was being held in the bloody tower uh, and it's attributed to her. And, you know, so you never know sometimes with history, has it sort of become something that it, it wasn't, but you don't, you don't yeah. know. I just very evocative. And um, when we first did it, it was quite, uh, it was more, um, well, we, we first um, looked at that when there was three of us uh, with a cello, mm-hmm. us and Liz. And then Katie joined us a couple of years ago, um, obviously just when lockdown was happening. So yeah. <laughs> um, we actually worked on that song um, with her again and we approached it so that when we could do gigs again, we were gigging that song, but in it, but with drums. So it's kind of evolved and we've put in this really heavy doomy bit at the end because the first version we did of it, it, it grew to a climax. That's true at the very end. Uh, but we just took that idea and ran with it and made it really, really climaxy oh, and really awesome. doomy. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I, I'd like us to record the, the new version one day, maybe in a live session or something. Cause, cause we play it live. We've, played it live a few times now and it's always quite electrifying oh, it's on the black city one, yeah. yeah it's on the black city sessions live, yeah. uh release yeah so for example yeah. see so you mentioned gigging you know what i from what i've seen a lot of the the live shows that you've done that weren't just you know uh, the streaming shows they're performed in old churches and some place called the crypt do you play exclusively in in areas like that that were 
built specifically for acoustics. I know old churches had to be before microphones and, and amplification. They were built specifically so priests could, yeah. you could, yeah. Yeah, we could hear the priest. So it, it, is that someplace that you work exclusively or are, do you work, do you gig in, in regular venues too, or do you care? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're lucky in Bristol that we've, we started doing like an event series called Dark Alchemy that uh, there's this beautiful, historic, amazing historic churches and crypt here in Bristol. And there's a charity that looks after them called the Churches Conservation Trust. So we were sort of doing f- concerts there, but raising, you know, raising money to help kind of maintain the buildings as well. Okay. And um, so it's sort of, it very much evolved with, with us, like our sound and who we are as a band really evolved because of playing in those spaces and, and bringing people into those spaces. Cause like the crypt is right in the center of town, but people walk past it. They don't know it's there. So wow. it's kind of part of the performative theatre of it is bringing people into these unusual spaces. And I think it's really evolved our sound as well um, and how we relate to the audience because it has that sort of sense of a ritual. That ha- you can you can have this hush before you play, like it's kind of awesome. And, you know, um, and I think it's definitely formed how we've approached performance. Like they're in this very, very special space and it's like, right, you guys are going to go through, you're going to go through a real trip now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, you lot, not you in there. And we, <laughs> we're not letting you go until you know, you've been through all this stuff. With you're going to experience something. <laughs> sort of thing. But yeah, we do play uh, conventional places. We love it, actually. We're, we're lucky in Bristol to have quite a good independent venue scene still, thank goodness, knock on wood. But yeah, yeah, very much. Anything to add? <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously, it's a very different experience playing in the uh, the sites like the like the churches and the crypt as it is to playing in like the the regular venues. Yeah. Very, very different, but you know, both are good, both are good in their own way. Mm-hmm. You know. I've noticed with uh, and going back to, are you guys ambient or? I've noticed a lot of <laughs> ambient players end up playing in freaking weird places like caves. <laughs> And so so yeah. that was another weird yeah. connection that I saw. So I, I had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Loads of the people that we've had on when we've done the events there, um, I suppose, yeah, you call them dark ambient. Mm. A, a lot of them have been, um, I guess, yeah, that genre tag yeah. would, would be attached to it. Yeah. You mentioned some weird, I guess, I don't even want to say instruments, just some weird ways to get, noises like you know, nails and stuff on metal what are you using because I've, I've seen is it just improvised at the time like oh this would sound good or because i, I saw somebody look like moving a broken plate around uh, mm-hmm. on, on amplifying yeah. those how do you guys come up with that stuff is, is that through the training that you've had just experience you just trial and error uh, i think there's mm-hmm. a kind of um it's, it's a few things coming together as i say because of evolving ourselves through performing in these unusual spaces it as i say that it kind of makes you want to expand the performance a right. bit you know and make it a real event to make it a bit of a ritual so and i i, I think um i'm a bit of a fan of um einstein's end and neubauten and how they tactile sound and how you can see it yeah, yeah that's definitely in there yeah so so things like that um i think it's a bit the art background as well sort of thinking about performance in a certain way and like wanting to engage with like look look there's this you can see this sound being made yeah and and 
we tend to think about it in terms of like what would make an interesting sound for this particular piece, but how how is it symbolic for that piece as well? Uh, so, so every every um, so um, what was it you mentioned the broken china? Yes. Yeah, the broken porcelain, I should say, which has an amazing sound and it rings and it's incredible. But I do that on um, Overtis Sapiente, which is our interpretation of a medieval chant by um, Hildegard von Bingen, who was this like visionary seer yes. from medieval Germany. It's amazing. Her writings are incredible, really inspiring. I've got her CD. But, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's, I'm actually not again, even kidding. In, I actually have a CD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> world again like you know she's known it's very known and she was all sorts of other things as well like you know sort of uh what do you call it like a di diplomat almost and, you know. yeah anyway so very interesting person but th this particular song that we've uh, reinterpreted over to sapienti not only does it the i mean the it's just stunning in terms of the melody um but the words are it's a call to wisdom so it's about saying th this is what you're presented with in life and it's on you to make the wise choices. So it's an appeal for wi for wisdom from people individually, you know. So I, I find it a very direct and moving song because I think these days, <laughs> I don't know, any time in history, you, you do want, you, it, it's quite heartfelt to sing that. It's like, we might make right or wrong choices, but if we endeavour to be wise and not too quick to to be wise and sort of... So it's like that, and, and I think... Um, so at the start of the performance of that song, I tend to hold up a mirror and catch a light and then let the mirror uh, light move and travel. And I often look, look around the audience with this light and it's this kind of like looking clearly, you know, seeing things, almost a scrying sort of thing, like a crystal ball almost, oh, wow. you know. And then at the end of the song, um, I come and play play the porcelain um, it's often not needed even to mic up because it's that resonant and I wow. move it around slowly. And it's that thing of like the broken pieces, you know, this is what happens if we don't, if we're not wise, if we can't take a step back and, you know, it, it's bro broken pieces. So, yeah. So, so that's an example of certain sounds that, well, the, the mirror is a visual thing, but that sound and, and it's, and it's all symbolic to what that, and, and, and I kind of like, I mean, that's in Latin, that song. So I don't expect people to <laughs> be live translating it. Right. So the challenge is to kind of convey what that song is about without people necessarily understanding the Latin. And that's a, another way you can do it is through that performative element. Um, so that's an example of that. Well, I'm playing that one for my daughter because she's a, a Latin tutor in high school. And <laughs> so she's, so she's, she loves that kind of stuff. So. So you guys were really busy during the the whole pandemic lockdown. You did you, know, you had streaming. You had a, a bunch of releases of of the live streams and stuff. You also started your second album and ended up releasing it. But you started it before everything really mm. kind of I guess hit the fan, didn't you? Yeah, we started it in November yeah. twenty nineteen. Okay, and 
And in the, on the album, they are in the sequence that we made them. So that was from November 19, 2019. Wow. And that those sounds are literally the first sounds that Katie made with us. Wow. Um, she's actually coming around to have a guitar lesson with Tom. <laughs> Uh, and we were like, I was going around the flat, like banging radiators and I'm like, oh, we need a sound. We need a sound. And it's like, hang on, Katie's coming around. She's a drummer. So we handed her some, you know, bits and bobs and uh, and she she did the percussion on that sound right there. Uh, we had a tape machine and we had the digital and we combined them. So, yeah, and that was just like uh, like uh, something metal from the kitchen. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> but um, wow. yeah. It's like a, a metal box thing, but yeah. So that was that was the start of the album, basically. Was, and did you guys intend to do the album sequentially like that, or was it just we're done and it kind of works? Yeah, I think it just yeah. Again, like that was just something that that organically developed. Wow, being planned. Yeah, that is amazing. Uh, I've never heard of that. That's amazing. <laughs> It was very strange. We we did when you could go into recording studios again. We did travel to London, and it was still really you know we hadn't been anywhere, and it was really strange and hot, and everyone you know it's like people in masks and everything, and it was all it was just so so surreal. Oh, and then by yeah. the time we got to the last song, it was this summer, so things felt like they were easing, and you, so you had this ref, time. It's more reflective. A bit melancholy. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like everything we do, uh, into, including the visuals, we, we try and make it symbolic of the of the thing. And um, the the cover of the album, it took me quite a long time to know what I wanted it to be, what form, because I know I, I knew I wanted it to be a, an image that was a bit striking, but I didn't know what. And um, and then this idea of of the wreath, that's also a crown came around because by the t- and that's it took me all the way till it started easing a bit and you could start to reflect and start to feel this melancholy because you started to think what have we lost you know so and I thought yeah like the idea of a wreath is like because everybody's lost something over this time we've all lost something yeah, for sure. but then also a crown because we've all kind of made it through so you deserve a crown oh that's <laughs> so awesome. So it's like both of those things together. And it, it took me quite a long time to get to that. But I think it's just until you we were in that headspace last summer, uh, it, it just, you know, it just wasn't there yet. And then how that felt at that time, that's where then what defined it. I was like, well, that's it. So, yeah. <laughs> the album is called The Black Hours. Would you define this as maybe a concept album? Probably, yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what ties everything together? Well, the the name is from a, a prayer book that um, is from uh, 1500s Belgium. I think it was handmade. And it's one of these books of hours. So there's a few of them surviving. I think this particular one that inspired us is held in New York in a museum. Okay. Um, but it's... Um, it, what they are, they were basically personal prayer books that a lot of people had. I mean, obviously you had to be a bit wealthy back yeah. in the day to have but I've I've seen like um, able to read. Footage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've seen footage of like Anne Boleyn's personal prayer book and what, for example, and people used to like write little things in the you know it's quite an intimate object and so if you're lucky enough to have one it was it's something that you would um, it it would take you through the prayer hours through the night mm-hmm. because um, 
yeah, there's certain prayers that you would say at certain hours through the night. Right. Um, so something was happening in your life and you wanted to turn to that, then that's there for you. And it's full of uh, miniature paintings and really beautiful. I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was on black vellum, this particular one, uh, the black uh, black hours. So it's on uh, carved skin, I believe, that that's dyed black. And then it's got silver and gold pigment and also turquoise, which was more valuable than either of those at wow. that time. So it's so it was that combination of the black and the turquoise, and it was just really it's really striking visual uh, artifact and and personal things. So, and and I think we again like we already had that idea before the whole pandemic thing, but then as it carried us through, it was just this idea of the black hours as like something that takes you through this this dark time, yeah. and and for us, music did that. You know, it was just like leaning even deeper into that thing. Yeah. Because I, you know, I don't know what I'd have done without music through mm -hmm. the whole thing. You know, it's like especially so since you, you couldn't play anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had to think of other things, and as you say, streams, collaborations, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Working on the we'll album, keep, keep it going. Leaning somehow, yeah. in even even more and and luckily uh, here we've got a rehearsal room that as soon as it could open because it was a professional space uh rs studios thank you steve it, we we were able to get back together and and actually you know work on stuff and we even recorded a stream there so yeah we were able to keep going we found ways <laughs> to keep going yeah it forced, and it was more important than ever it forced so, so many people to be even more creative than you already are mm -hmm. with your own work you know you had to figure out ways to get it out to people who yeah. really wanted it i mean you guys do it professionally mm -hmm. you know that you need it and you love doing it but to those of us who don't you know we we're just sitting there going we can't go out either. I need something new. And I'm, yeah. I'm not making yeah, yeah. music in my room. I'm, I'm not that talented. So. Yeah. It definitely felt like we wanted to step up and, and give offer something we want. So it, while it kept us going, I, I know from a fact, I know people have told me since like, Oh, th that stream you did, I was really down that week. And that, you know, got me through. People have said it, and it's it's. I find that amazing. You know, that is all we could ask. Really, so your um, music is helping people get through, and then the reaction from people is helping you guys get through. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it, it just, uh, yeah, it did it did all that was really real, yeah. and uh, and that was very moving. So it's all yeah. interconnected, like the wreath on your cover. It's just, it's mm -hmm. a big circle. Yeah, big circle. <laughs> and yeah. What, what I love about the album is that each of the songs is connected by the tolling of bells. Is that symbolic for the the hours? Yeah, okay. that was to, to to be this sort of path. yeah mark, marking the hours, and we actually recorded it because you were talking about the spaces that we've performed in. Yeah, we've actually gone with our um sound guy, sound guy Tom Berry, who records us. We've gone into various uh, churches and crypts here, and we've uh, recorded the impulse. So you've got the you've got the reverb of of that space recorded so even when we've recorded in studios we've been able to take those places with us if you like and oh. apply 
yeah, the reverb that we're actually used to live. And uh, similarly, the, the, the actual tolling that you hear, it's it's just of the, the church just down the road, St. Mary Redcliffe, which is an incredible spire. Wow. And it just, you know, we, it's, um, we hear it very, very often uh, in our daily life. So, and, it, and love going in there. So yeah. all of these things that, again, it's it's all stuff that relates to what we're doing and, and where we are and the kind of spaces that we use and, and hear regularly. So, yeah. I'm really enjoying the album. I mean, so the first single was the, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the English translation, the Bird on a Briar, or was it? No, it was a Gray Mare. Was the first one? Yeah, that was the first one we released. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Both of those tracks are so great. You're singing it in the, is it in old English or is it the, because the, you're not singing bird on a briar. It's you're, you're pronouncing it the old way. Yeah. Yeah, I that's think, right. I think that's one of the things that makes it even more special to me is that it's mm-hmm. the old English or, or the, the Welsh for, for Grey Mare and Queen's Marsh. It's, yeah. it's just, this is so great. I love lyrics in foreign languages for some, I, I don't understand what the hell you're saying, but I love hearing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I think one of my favorites is, and I'm not, I, again, I'm not going to try to pronounce this, the last track, track seven. Yeah. Maybe I will attempt it. Uh, is it Deuce Column Jolie? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I, I mean, that one was, uh, yeah, so so that would be, I think the original one would be that's a medieval French one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the tune, the original tune is uh, Deuce Dame Jolie, okay. which is Machot, who's a medieval French composer, but like with when it comes to early music and medieval music, he's he's like, um, He's, I don't know, he's like the Led Zeppelin or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. like really, you know, like Beatles, you know, yeah. he, he's like the, one of the big main yeah. guys. And then that's one of the, his most famous songs. I think like in, in the, when it comes to med- medieval music, that's, that's one of the most famous uh, tunes and one of the most yeah. often recorded and, and, and interpreted. So uh, mm. yeah, it's, uh, it's our, it's our version so- of it, but then like, one would be a would be a dove, dove. so you know bird of peace and, okay. and so on yeah. so you guys say it, it sounds french i say it, it comes out like new orleans cajun <laughs> so i don't know i mean that's about... i can't do french I, my french accent's non-existent it's know, much but... better than mine i'll tell you that <laughs> With uh, things opening up, are you guys planning on on playing any shows in the near future, or, or do you mainly play locally, or do you get to tour around much? Oh, it's mainly local. I mean, um, we've 
Yeah, I'd have to think about that for a second. We've never played outside the UK. Okay. No. Um, we've We'd love to. <laughs> played a lot. I mean, we've played a fair amount now in Bristol because mm. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. Uh, I mean, we played a couple of times in London and once in Manchester, but, mm. but that's it. it it's been it. Um, wow. around Bristol only, yeah. So it would be good to uh, mm. go to some other places for sure. Yeah, we were due to play in Berlin uh, in April 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were really excited about that. But, uh, yeah, we it's something we're really keen to do. Yeah. Well, I hope you do. I'm, I don't know if I'm what, at what point I could ever get over there, but I would... I love the streams. I love watching the live performances that you guys have on YouTube. I would love to experience you guys live. It's just, it just sounds like it's, it's not, you know, it's not just a live show. It's, it's an experience and I would love to, to be there. That, that is the plan. Um, it's meant, yeah, that it's a whole experience. I mean, what we're talking about is um, in the new year, because uh, obviously the, the, the new album's going to come out on vinyl, but like, you know, there's these long queues in the pressing plants. Everybody's oh. in the same situation. So probably the vinyl will be, um, we, we don't know, maybe April, something like that. Okay. So what we're thinking to do is uh, perform the whole album and do one of those, you know, like the Swiss Chain Music plays the Black Hours kind of thing and just do the whole thing integrated thing um in in a church here oh, wow. uh, around that time so that's sort of a plan it's not um firmed up yet but that's that's the idea and ho hopefully by then like enough people would have heard it that that they'd find that interesting because obviously um you know we can't stop ourselves we'll probably be reinterpreting <laughs> some of the songs again, <laughs> you know well that's <laughs> so awesome might be i love that though i love that especially since the music is I guess since it's classical music and, and you guys are reinterpreting it in the first place, there's really a wide, I don't, I don't, God, I don't even know how I'm trying to say this. It's just so always open to reinterpretation. It's not like, it's not like, you know, if, if you go and, and, and see, I don't know, let's just say the Rolling Stones, for example, you want to hear them do their song mm -hmm. the same way that they've done it for That's 50 funny. years. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want that from you guys. <laughs> No, no. Is it, when you do when you play live, is there a lot of improvisation, or is everything pretty much scripted out? It's, it ends up being a mix, I think. Uh, you know, again, like a, a, a combination of, of things which which are uh, I don't know always done the same way. Like there's a strict arrangement for, for some bits, and then some bits it gets a lot more uh, gets a lot more open ended. Mm. Okay. You know, but I mean, yeah, even with the, the, the improvisation stuff, I mean, often there's, there's, there's like, there's, there's a basic template in place or th th mm. there's kind of like, um, there's a basic plan mm. okay. as to what, as to where it's going to go. But then the improvisation happen, happens around that. So, so then I, I and, and that's, I mean, you know, blues music is like that, I guess, you know, there's, mm. there's the form, one of those form improvisation happens around that. So it, True. it's, it's similar. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, obviously we're not playing blues, but <laughs> the general concept, mm. like, yeah, when, when the improvisation happens, yeah, we've got, we've got an idea of where it's going to go. Yeah. So, so it is identifiable, you know, when it's in the room, you know, and, and that goes back, 
you know, again, uh, hundreds of years, like so early classical and pre-classical, you know, it was, it, there was much more improvisation, I think, than people realise. Okay. So again, it's true to that approach, but it might not be how you hear early music very often, but um, it's actually right. true to, to the approach, yeah. That's a good but point. But yeah, it makes it thinking and it makes it never quite the same twice, and we do lean into that. We do take, you know, take advantage of that and enjoy that a lot. So you... Yeah. Your um, dark neoclassical ambient <laughs> jam band. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I suppose. Oh, right. last. Yeah, yeah. We found, we found a genre. We created yeah. one. <laughs> well, I've kept you for quite a while. Thank you guys so much. I've, I've learned a lot and I really, I've enjoyed going through the back catalog all the way up through the new album. And it's been such a unique experience. I'm so glad and so grateful that you guys could join me. Oh, thanks for having well, us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people <laughs> find you guys? Can they follow you on social media? How can they buy the album? We've got a band camp page so i think it's dscm.bandcamp.com i think okay and then yeah we're on instagram facebook twitter uh thing i think it will be on spotify as well um okay i don't know much about spotify but apparently it will be we're on um, youtube as well as YouTube, YouTube, yeah. yeah and we want to work more on that side of things uh, we want to build up yeah, the, visual, um, side, the yeah. visual side uh in, in that's one of the plans for the coming year is to build the, the actual video side we got more confident with it over like a lot of people um having to tackle live streams and stuff yeah. so it, it got more people so um for a lot of people so yeah video is something that that we want to explore more next year so I, I imagine it'll follow the same style as the, the music it'll be uh darkish spooky <laughs> kind of yeah uh, unsettling yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I count yeah. on that i yeah. count on that <laughs> and luckily like with everything we, we can keep it sort of a bit in-house as well and make it all interconnected because katie the drummer she's actually a professional photographer and video person as well Excellent. uh she's <laughs> and and i i come from an art background as well so I mean, it was me and her who worked together on all the the album artwork and everything and and worked on the videos over over lockdown so yeah we've we've got the skills amongst us to kind of keep it all in house and sort of um, very very native to our thing, whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah, well, <laughs> the artwork is always incredible. I, I that's one thing I forgot to mention is is how being a visual person myself, I, I actually am drawn into a lot of the artwork, like uh, Nocturne for Eric Zan and uh, I'm gonna butcher this, L'Imperador del Doloroso Regno. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are beautiful. I mean, we can't take we cannot take the compliments there because that's that. Those are the Eighth Tower compilation, and he always works with very beautiful visual artists. So yeah, it, it's one of the great things of being in, on one of those is that we get to put that artwork on. But it, all, but it also, beautiful. yeah, it, it follows with like the Ocean Star artwork and, and oh, I'm gonna I know that I have this. Limit me deport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting yeah. better. I'm getting, but I don't yeah. know how to say that one either. You know? I just avoided <laughs> yeah. having to say the name. I, I look at it, and it, even the words are beautiful. And I, I'm like, I'm gonna butcher this <laughs> so badly. See, I, I know do. what you mean. The draw, like drawings like that, for example, I've done 
Um, and but they're, they're very much it's like the music that's very much inspired uh, directly from medieval manuscripts it'll be like I've seen an image and or something like that and um, I was like wow you know I'm gonna draw my own version of it or something like that so yeah it's it's been there from the start that side of it yeah very interconnected everything interconnected it matches the music perfectly everything is the the logo for the uh, and and you guys remastered the first album added a couple extra tracks and uh, so that's available as well which is yeah. so awesome. I know I have kept you for quite a while. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I really have enjoyed this. Yeah, I was, yeah, I think, yeah, I was, I too, yeah. Yeah, thanks for asking us. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.